Hello there, and welcome into another episode of Mile High Hot Takes. I'm your host, Baylor, joined today by my co-host, Connor, and today we are talking some avalanche hockey. Now, the avalanche are currently up 3-1 at the time of this series, uh, at the time of this episode being recorded in their series in the second round against the Blues, and they're playing some pretty solid hockey. That first round, I think, was as expected as a sweep can be. Dominated. You never expect a team to sweep another team in the playoffs. But if there was to be a sweep in the first round, people probably circled that one as a sweep. The second round gets a little bit more dicey as they do split the first two games at home and go off to St. Louis 1-1. And that's really in game three when the controversy and all of the shenanigans that everyone's been hearing about lately um, has really started. And that's kind of probably where we're going to spend most of the episode talking, but obviously we can talk uh, playoff running as a whole. So Connor, what are your thoughts so far on what you've seen from the Avalanche postseason? So the first round, Nashville took care of business, played well. Every single time, they really didn't stand a chance. The Blues have found a way to limit Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr a little bit and limit Miko. their impact. Miko's just had a, po- a tough postseason in general, I feel like. Not not great. He's, got, he's not playing poorly. He, he had, but he's got like 10 assists. So he's not impacting the game as much as he normally he's does. Not playing up to his standards. But the two big guns, Kale and Nathan, have been limited and watched very closely by St. Louis. They're playing fantastic. Games one and two didn't really give the abs many clean looks. It was a lot of hard work to get the goals they got. And game one completely outplayed the Blues, but Blues defense and grit and Bennington. Yep, and Bennington got them into overtime. Game two, abs just no, no way to sugarcoat that got beat. They, that was probably one of the worst games I've seen the Avs play in two years. Probably no, not two years. Probably since the Vegas series last year. They they the got beat, round. and it wasn't all that much different than what the Blues did from game one to game two. Wasn't that much different. No, they just the Avs that, didn't that's how, show up. That, that's how sports go. Sometimes you play well and lose. Sometimes you play well and win. And the Blues played well game one and game two. So that made me a little nervous for an extended series. But then we get to games three and four in St. Louis, and the game kind of opened up. I don't know what changed. I don't know why. But it was a more open game, which clearly suits the abs. I I feel like it it was a little strange watching uh, the beginning of game three, I mean, outside of watching Sam Jarrett break his sternum, um, the beginning of game three, I was really weird. I was like... The Blues came in, it seemed like, with a different game plan. Yeah, exactly. It's like they were like, you know what, we're at home, let's play a faster game because we're at home. As if that was... As if they were going to beat the Avs at a faster game. And they still had the physicality and created opportunities for themselves, but left themselves open. Uh, they have had, I mean, and they got they got the first goal in all four of the games played so far. So far, I think the only game in which 
I feel like they really didn't deserve the first goal of the game was game four. Uh, at the end of the first period, they were being outshot like 16 to three, but we're winning yeah. 1-0 because so of a, a really opportunity, really unfortunate it. turnover. And that's something that everyone who's analyzed this series, anyone who's talked about the Blues says one of the things that they're absolutely best at is capitalizing on opportunities that you hand them. If you give them a, if you give them a puck on a silver platter, they put it in the back of the net more than the majority of the teams. Well, that's how game. Ryan O'Reilly got the first goal in game one too. Just yep. a couple bad bounces, turnover in the D zone, and he put and it home like he should have. Converts on a fantastic opportunity. And I feel like it was up until, I, I've, so in game one, that goal obviously that they scored was that that was very opportunistic very they were getting dominated that whole game start to finish they did take uh, they took advantage of the opportunities they got and that's how they've been scoring but if you look at it outside of game two all of the goals that the blues have scored on the avalanche have come from when they're gifted an opportunity with a bad turnover or like that or or, or that botched line change on the power play in um well, game two, look, look at like where all, every time, every single time the Avalanche make a big mistake, it seems to end up in the back of their net. But that seems to be the only time the puck ends up in the back of their net. The you make a mistake, you go unreal. on. You make a mistake, you go on the power play. That's an opportunity you've given them. They take advantage of it. You turn the puck over in your own zone with numbers already up the ice. They're gonna take advantage of that, and they have. All through this whole series, they have just been punishing the Avs' mistakes, and they're still down 3-1. Coming back to Denver. Which is remarkable, but that Monday night second period is the entirety of this series summed up in one period. The Avs can do a lot of things really quick, and the Blues need to rely on the chances the Avs give them. You had them right where you want them. It was fixing for a blowout, and you give them a couple power play goals to end that period to let them back in the game. Well, and the same thing happened in, almost the exact same thing actually happened in game two. Um, They dominated play in the first period and came out of the first period down 1-0, put in four unanswered in the second period in both of those games and then gave up goals to give the Blues life going into the intermission. This time it happened to be two power play goals on two separate power plays within four minutes of each other. Yeah. Or no, no, it wasn't within four minutes of each other. It was within two minutes and 39 seconds. It was within the final four minutes of the period. We gave them two power plays and they scored two goals. In the game before that, you remember that was, we gave, we had a really bad turnover and played sloppy for the last minute and they put one in and they almost put a second one in, but Kemper made a huge save on O'Reilly. Like it, that could have been carbon copy. You take the four, one lead into the last few minutes of the second period and you blow it to a one goal game. Was it game three where O'Reilly scored at the end of the second period? Yes. To make it a one goal game going into the third? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was like identical situations, how you give them that momentum. You're giving, them, giving them something to play for. And it's not like, but at the same time, it's I don't want to say it's not the Avs putting their foot on the throat because that's what they came out in both of those games and did in the third period. They played very clean, very smart, 
hockey and killed time, ate the clock up, put in a couple more of their own to really push that thing out of out of reach. And, you know, just looking at the two games that they played in St. Louis, they both ended up very similarly in just how the scoring and all that went as far as timing goes. And you know what? I'll take it. I mean, they can't play the Blues goalies can't play perfect first periods every single game, even though they have so far in the this issue, series. The issue, though, is letting teams back in. It hasn't hurt us oh, yet. Oh, absolutely. It will. It, oh, absolutely. And, and that's, um, you know, it's definitely a, a worry. And that's if you're playing Tampa Bay, who just swept the President Trophy winning Panthers. If you're playing in a game seven, if you're playing the Blues, if, and you if, let them if, back in, if you're it's still a problem. No, I'm saying if you let up, if you let Tampa Bay turn a three goal game into a one goal game right before the start of the third period, they're not going to end the way that they have with the Blues. We've honestly gotten pretty lucky to win. I wouldn't say lucky. You're giving teams a chance when you shouldn't be. Absolutely, and but the you reason are lucky I'm saying that they are not the capitalizing re- the reason, on it. They do. They did capitalize in both situations. They, they capitalized on those goals, but they didn't capitalize on the opportunities you gave them in the game. But that's why I think it's to not come back and take but, control. But they did. They they took the opportunities that they gave. They took those turnovers in game two, and they took those power plays in game three, and turned them into goals to make that game what it needed to be and in, in a one goal game. game. But the reason I'm saying it's not luck is because what happened for those to happen is the Avs had breakdowns. The Avs are a better team. Yes. By far. Yes. The Blues are phenomenal and they had an incredible run to get into the postseason. They had an incredible series against Minnesota. But the Avs are a better team. Cut and dry. And that's why I don't think it's lucky because it's not like the Avs gave up the lead and then got it back. I always, it, it doesn't matter how the Blues got back into the game. If you're telling me the Avs have a three goal, have a one goal lead going into the third period against the Blues, 99 times out of 100, I'm going to say they win. That's why I don't think it's lucky, but they're absolutely playing with fire. There's and they will come absolutely time. be a time where they're playing better teams because that's how it goes in the playoffs. As you get further in, you only play better teams. And you this is, this needs to be it. This needs to be it because yeah, not acceptable. Next we made round. mistakes against Nashville and they just couldn't capitalize because they're not that team. The Blues are a better team. We're making mistakes and they're capitalizing. Fortunately for us, outside of our mistakes, they really can't do anything in this series. Next round, we are playing Edmonton or Calgary, who are filling the net against each other in the Battle of Alberta. If you are giving them, if you are gift wrapping Calgary or Edmonton, or any of the teams in the East you might be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals, if you are gift-wrapping any of these potential teams in front of us two goals in a game, you are going to lose. If you can put it out, put the game out of reach in the second period, do it. Because if you let the teams back in, Connor McDavid alone could win that th- third period and oh, dominate no, it, that game. It, exactly. exactly. Same with Johnny Goudreau. And well, Kachuk, and the thing is, against Vasilevsky, if you can, if you're playing, if you're playing against Vasilevsky in the Stanley Cup Finals, and you go up four-one, and all of a sudden his team going into the third period has a one-goal deficit, you're probably not going to score on Vasilevsky the rest of the game. So now your task is prevent this back-to-back winning forward core of the Tampa Bay Lightning 
your job is now don't let them score for 20 minutes because good luck scoring on this guy. So, so fine, here we go. Instead of the Avs getting lucky not to have lost one of these games where we let teams back in, there's going to come a time where we get unlucky and lose. And I, Yeah, and I'm saying against the Blues, it would be unlucky and lose, but I'm saying moving forward, it's not a matter of luck. It's not an unlucky and you lose. It's, wow, you're dumb and you lose, or you are not good enough and you lose. It is not a... Because moving forward, I mean, you start looking at conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals, man, everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone can taste it at that point, like truly taste it. And it takes one game to swing a series. Exactly. And especially with the way that the Flames roll. I mean, that team is streaky. That team has been streaky all year. And if you give them two goals at the end of a period to let them get back into it, it's not going to be two goals. It's going to be three or four. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you did up to that point, which that I mean, they played great periods and then let off the gas to get to at the, at the And it's really, it really, for me, the first periods have been start to finish solid uh, outside of game two of round two, which the whole team just didn't show up for except for Kemper. Um, you just haven't gotten the goals to show for it in this Blues series. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, in games one, three, and four, the entire first period was dominated by the Avs, and they came out in all three of those games down 1-0. Haven't gotten the break. Which exactly. Is fine. Which, which is fine. Good but hockey, it, exactly. Well, limiting mistakes and keeping pressure. That's how but, this team's gonna succeed. And I'm and I'm and the only reason that they go into those first intermissions down 1-0 is because they've gift wrapped the Blues their only goal of the game to that point. I have not seen a first per- first period goal from the Blues, or maybe maybe first period. I, I'm not entirely sure exactly how it all went down in game two off the top of my head, but I do know that the Blues have scored the first goal in every single game, and every single time I looked at it and went, tough luck. it's not on Kemper. And it, no, it's not tough luck. It's just straight up, that was a terrible play. And you see what happens when you make a mistake at this level. It only gets worse from here. And you know what? Instead of big mistakes turning into goals, these teams we're about to face are going to take small mistakes and turn them into goals. So, Avs need to clean it up, I think is the biggest thing that I've seen from this Blue series. Um, very deceiving 3-1, if you ask me. Very deceiving no, they're 3-1. T- they're tight games. Game one could have gone either way. Game one could have gone either way. Um, you know, I don't want to say game two could have gone either way because, you know, when you put in four yeah. unanswered, Got that beat. one seemed a lot more dominant. Uh, game three game, was, no, I'm saying game three was that one. Game two, the Avs just didn't show up. They got beat. Um, and then game four, the Blues just kind of stopped playing hockey and started playing get get Kadri. They which we haven't, which we have intentionally not talked about to this point yet. We're trying to talk hockey for now before we get into the whole cadre stuff. Um, is there anything else about just the general playoff run for the Avs you want to talk about before we open the cadre can? Um, other than I think the way Ryan O'Reilly particularly has played Nathan McKinnon gives me fear going forward. He has zero space in the offensive zone when teams are set defensively. That makes me nervous in this series, just because the series isn't over. Um, I don't 
feel like Nathan's gonna have the same issue in other series because Ryan O'Reilly doesn't play for the other teams and he doesn't but it gives an idea it absolutely gives you an idea but Ryan O'Reilly is one of a kind he is a player that ever since he left us has been an av killer every single game we play against O'Reilly he has a phenomenal game and he's a fantastic player yes he is but I'm saying he has an above average game for himself not compared to other people for himself you take an average O'Reilly game and every time he plays the blues he has a good game for himself I don't Every care single what he's time, doing offensively, I care a, what no, he's doing I, on that, the defense. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. I'm saying he plays 200 feet of hockey. He is a grinder. He is a two-way. He goes back and forth, up and down. He takes the hard hits. He gives the hard hits. He blocks the shots. He takes your space. He cross-checks you in front of the net, and then he'll take the puck and put it in the back of your net. I am. I have never seen anyone shut down Nathan McKinnon like Ryan O'Reilly has every time he plays Nathan McKinnon. Every now, time he plays... are going to watch that film and try uh, to replicate it. Yes, I am aware. So, I would like to see before the series is over... But I would also like Nathan to see somebody McKinnon. watch that on film and then get on skates and try to keep up with Nathan McKinnon. As much as not as fast. He's made he, But he's... Yes, let me finish, please. He's... You got other players are going to be watching this, right? Mm-hmm. Who left in these playoffs that we're playing know Nathan McKinnon as well as Ryan O'Reilly does? In what sense? Number one center versus number one center in the same division for how many years? Who in this league that is left playing, not for the Abs, knows Nathan McKinnon and how he plays better than Ryan O'Reilly? Or as well, or even close to as well as Ryan O'Reilly knows Nathan. I'm not saying people know him as well, and I'm not saying it's a big, big problem. It's a trend I'm worried about because if it's possible to be replicated, it's going to be attempted, and if it gets replicated, it might hurt us down the line. So I would like to see Nathan maybe change it up and okay. break it or play yes, a different I- way to impact the game in the offensive zone not on a break i'm just telling you why i'm personally not worried about that as much and for me it's because ryan o'reilly has a special relationship as the number one center of the blues against the number one center of the avalanche because of how frequently they've played even in even outside of the regular season look at how much they see each other in games that matter game 82 in that in the 17 18 season got the play-in games in the bubble the year that the Blues won the cup. You have last year's entire playoff series and the fact that all of last year was played in division. And then you also have this entire season and the entire playoff series here. Nobody knows how to play Nate when he when Nate is in his zone, when he needs to be playing his best hockey. Nobody knows him like Ryan O'Reilly. So yes, people are going to watch it. Yes, people are going to try to replicate that, but nobody is going to be able to replicate that to the effect that O'Reilly does anytime soon, especially given the pool of players remaining. Yes, it gives you kind of a blueprint, but think about it. Every single time somebody beats Patrick Mahomes, everyone goes, oh, they got a blueprint to to stop Patrick, but they don't because he's just great and he's going to find a way. If somebody finds a way, if somebody, you know what, if this is the blueprint that is super easy to follow and any number one center can replicate that and shut down Nate, 
Nate's a superstar who is smart enough to change his game in a way that will throw them off, and he will find a way Which to do it. Which is what I said I wanted to see in the next few games, if this series goes more than one more game. Alright, you want to get in this cadre thing? It's pretty dirty. So before we get into this, I just want to say... I don't care what happens in a sporting event short of the Bertuzzi situation where that was legitimately legitimately almost killed somebody. Probably should have killed him. He took and changed a man's life entirely. Yeah, exactly. Short of stuff like intentionally ending somebody's career, pretty much anything that happens on in a sporting event that is genuinely an accident, I don't care how bad it is even if you accidentally kill somebody if it's an accident you need a like i have zero tolerance for the fans doing the racist stuff doing the death threats the fact that cadre needed to have police stationed outside of their team hotel and needed an escort to and from the ice for game four is outrageous i really hope st louis the St. Louis Blues organization does something about it. If there is something they can do about it, even if it's just a statement telling their fans that that's not acceptable, like even flipping line up with like, team B, like, like even anything. even flipping off Kadri after he puts in goals on you, I don't care. I, I don't care. But when you cross that sports threshold and start threatening this man's life and livelihood, uh, making racist remarks. It needs to stop like that. You've taken it too far. It's a game. Yeah, you had a really good goalie that got hurt. Get over it. He's out. Move on. That's really that's really all I have to say I'm about outside of sports. what the, the fans death threats. Just regardless, don't keep, be a, keep it in sports. Don't be a there, there are person. There are there are two types of hate in my mind. There's real hate, which I'm seeing a lot of from the Blues fan, which is absolutely disgusting. And there's sports hate. I sports hate a lot of people. But I would, I mean, even when I see some of the people that I sports hate get legitimately hurt playing a game, I feel bad. Oh my God, that's tough. I'm like, that's, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish any athlete to get hurt because that is the worst thing that can happen to an athlete. And just imagine, how would it be for you if the worst thing that happened to you in your career happened? Like, do not wish that on anyone. I don't care what your justification is. This has affected the series and the way the Blues have played significantly, though. And that is the main reason I really want to talk about this is I, I don't know what Perron thinks he's doing, but the fact that I have heard nothing from the league about even a warning or anything for him is ridiculous and the fact that he is going to trot out for game five yeah as of now has me a little nervous because if that's a blowout i mean this dude was throwing elbows at kadri's face during a celebration when the game was still in reach if we're up three goals kadri doesn't and they were only down and they were also only down two one at this point in the series so now you're down 3-1. I'm really worried about what some of these Blues players are going to do to either Kadri or somebody else on the Avs bench once they realize they've lost this series. Yeah, if if I'm coach and we have a three-goal lead going into the third period, 
Kadri doesn't touch the ice in that period at all. And that double minor uh, matching penalties, I don't know what you want to call it. The one that gave the abs the five on uh, three. Yeah, well, yeah, the, it was the it was the it was two it's two separate. Not be, a, it's not a double. Ma- it wasn't matching, but it's not matching. Didn't go. Yeah, but yeah. they had, they got two penalties. Put them five on three. They that game was in reach still, and yep. then they stopped playing hockey. Yep, they stopped playing hockey, and I think you could. What is the dude's name starts with B? Uh, it's the really complicated one for the I Blues. The, the dude who throws his shoulder into Kadri blindside after Perron. Okay, so Perron takes a run at Kadri while Kadri is going to the bench. Kadri mm-hmm. sees it coming, stops, lets Perron skate by him, gives him a little shove as he skates by because he was very clearly trying to run through Kadri well away from any sort of play. Oh, yeah. So Kadri does a little stop and gives him a little shove as, as he goes by. And this other blues dude lights him up throws his shoulder or elbow into the square of centers of Kadri's upper back, which is very dangerous because getting hit high in the back, you get the whiplash from going back. And also being blindsided hit is not safe. Uh, So he falls to the ground, slides into the boards, gets up on his knees. And as he's getting up on his knees, Perron throws a wicked cross check at him to throw him back on the ice and then jumps on top of him. Throws hands too. I don't know how it wasn't a five minute major. I am going to say that Perron deserved a two minute for cross checking, five minute major, and a 10 minute game misconduct for Perron. And I really think you could give that other dude who threw that blind side into Kadri's back, you could probably give him a, a major or a game misconduct. Either one for me would have been fine. And honestly, Perron should probably be suspended for at least two games, and uh, the other dude, I, I wouldn't be, su- I would not be even a little bit surprised if he did receive a one-game suspension. However, absolutely nothing's going to come out of it because the league decides that, you know, literally physically assault, like that is assault. What happened was assault. It's completely away from it the was, play. It that's was, why I feel like they needed. That's do that's what I'm saying. It is literally like the only thing preventing that from being like a literal crime is the fact that they're on a hockey ring. Oh yeah. It is away from the play. Both it you know exactly what you're doing when you're doing it and you're doing it for one of two reasons. Either to send a message, which isn't okay. You don't get a blindside somebody and possibly and then start punching them to send a message or you're out to hurt them, which is also not okay. Possibly even worse. Okay, okay, no, 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 sorry. Lots of times, especially in contact sports, your goal is to hurt somebody. Not to injure them, to hurt them. To, to inflict Bruise pain. Bruise them a little bit, To yeah. inflict pain. Make it a little make, uncomfortable. Make them, uh, like, you know, know that know you're there. Like, yo, dude, it's here I am. Make them uncomfortable. Exactly. Make them know that every single if they're going to do something, it's going to be hard work. Yeah. Why do you check, why do you, every time somebody's by the boards and touches the puck in the playoffs, why do you throw them into the boards? You want to wear them down. Your, your, your goal is to hurt them a little bit. Let not them know, to let them know injure them. This is like intent to injure. Mm-hmm. This is like very... and Like Perron throwing that bow? Are you kidding me? You should be suspended three oh, that, games. That so, one so alone if, if, is if, if, if that connects, 
I want Perron out of the league. Just the fact that he tried it, you need to be out for five games. That one because it is... wasn't e it wasn't even like a, I'm gonna skate over here and give you a little bump on the shoulder with my shoulder. He full on threw his elbow, attempting to hit Kadri's face, that and it was clear inexcusable. The other two, sure, you can say Kadri might have instigated by hitting Perron a little bit. And then they stepped it up, so penalties, whatever, impact on the game is fine. But Puck's not even in play when he throws a bow. That is inexcusable I mean, suspension. Just, just the fact that both players were skidding to the bench and Perron tried to run him is how that whole thing started. Perron tried to run Kadri while he was slow skating to the bench. Yeah. While the puck was 75 feet away from him. And, and you could argue, you could convince me that... That, that whole little scrum might not need a suspension. You could, you but could, it is inexcusable for action not to be taken for throwing a bow outside I, of play. I would understand the lack of game misconducts and the lack of majors. If you haven't, if you're just all you see is you turn around, see him get tossed and then tossed to the ground and then cross checked and tackled. If that's all you know and you don't have any idea about the context or you're trying to ignore the context to call a clean game whatever sure the fact that there hasn't been a peep from the league about any of those three the bow the cross check and tackle both from Perron or the blindside hit that like right before the fact that there hasn't been a single word mentioned by the league about that is terrible like I understand you don't want to affect in game and that's the ref's job is to try to let them play as much as possible but that's what the league safety is for. I saw three very, very, very dangerous events happen to Kadri. A blindside hit to the upper back, a blindside cross check to the upper back, and somebody trying to throw a bow at his face. And there's probably more to come. I'm just saying that the league needs to get something under control or um, somebody's legitimately going to get hurt in game five. The Blues are just salty. They're upset. You know who else is salty and upset? fans and it makes me so happy fair enough you're mad your goalie who was playing great got taken out of a game like that sucks fully fully sympathize with you feeling your shots your your hopes and dreams are crushed because Bennington can't play while also, he's playing great I, would, I fully I understand would, I don't I've, li I've I, lived that pain I, a couple I years partially understand I partially understand I know what it's like to lead, to lose your number one goalie for the playoffs and feel like all hope is lost because of it. However, the Blues fans seem to conveniently forget that the goalie that is currently playing for them got them to the playoffs. If Bennington had played all year, they wouldn't be here. I don't care how he ended the season. I don't care how he played in the first round. I don't care how he played in the first two games against us. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the goalie you have in net now. If you are telling me you lose this series because you don't have Bennington, your team is terrible. You shouldn't be here if the only reason you are here is Bennington. If you are a good enough team to beat the Avs with Bennington, you should be a good enough team to have a chance. And if you're a true fan of your team who, correct me if I'm wrong, won a cup three years ago, 
with Bennington. That's what they're hoping. Well, yeah, that's what they're hoping. They also closed their eyes to the fact that the second that man got a paycheck, he fell off a cliff. Literally, literally in that postseason, he got a six by six and has been dog water since. I don't, uh, up until this postseason, he hadn't won a postseason game outside the cup. Yeah. I think that was funny. Yeah. I mean, that. Well, and you look at it ever since their postseason run. I mean, <laughs> five on Bennington is a standard Yikes. for the Avs. The Avs have owned him up, down, left, right, and center. Until this series. And that's why they're salty. So you know what? Sure. Be salty that you lost your goalie. But the fact that you, I mean, it was after game three. That was a 2-1 series. 2-1 with another game at home to tie it 2-2. And I had people on Twitter telling me that the Avs are going to win this series because Kadri is a dirty player. And I was like, A, it wasn't a dirty hit. If anything, your own player did more damage to your goalie's knee than Kadri did. Ran him over. They both went through. B, if you're saying Kadri didn't make an effort to avoid the goalie, then that also means um, the player in front of him, who was a Blues player, also didn't make it was Callie Rosen, did not make an effort to avoid his own teammate. And you know what? Like, I just, I, I just keep going back to that, man. It, it, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the goalie that is currently between the pipes. So the fact that they lost faith in their team so quickly tells you everything you need to know about the type of fans they got over there. A. And B. You also tells you have, that they know they weren't going to win the series to begin with. Exactly my point. They knew they weren't going to win. They were just trying to find the excuse for themselves. So keep going, Blues fans. Keep going. I will say I had I, I have had some relatively respectful conversations with some people on Instagram and Twitter that are Blues fans. I appreciate you guys. Um, but the vast majority of what I see is disgraceful. And I know it's probably the loud minority, but it's disgraceful. I would be embarrassed if I were a Blues player about my fan base. It's been pretty pathetic. Well, we don't have to deal with them much longer. We one have more uh, one more win. Uh, I was coming home Wednesday night. Puck drop at 6 p.m. for game five. And uh, hopefully we can close this book on both this drama in the series and the drama surrounding the second round for the Avalanche. Get a nice little break before conference finals and continue and continue to have our fingers crossed that edmonton and calgary absolutely maul each other go seven wear each other out oh sorry speaking of edmonton calgary and goalie situations lucic's hit was dirty that one was bad yeah yeah yeah. that is what a bad hit on a goalie looks like get it right st louis and with that thank you all so much for listening We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will catch you on the next one. Hello, Mile High Hot Takes fans. This is your producer, Alex, and I wanted to tell you about another show that I produce called Deep Dive. It's a music plus talk show that guides you through some of the greatest albums of all time, and it's exclusively on Spotify. You'll be able to listen to an iconic album along with the story of the album in between the songs. Search for Deep Dive Albums or click the link in this episode's description.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Mile High Hot Takes. For more content, check us out on Twitter at 5280HotTakes. Got feedback for us? Send an email to 5280HotTakes at gmail.com. Mile High Hot Takes is produced by Enchilarga Productions. Oh, thank you.